probably the best thing to do is to just start to reach out to people that have gone down that path before you and just talk to them. I mean, it's such a simple baby step, but for me to be able to see that people had been in my shoes and had just taken that leap of faith, whatever that was, whatever type of real estate you want to get into, I think to be able to talk to someone that has actually done it before is it just gave me the a little bit of peace of mind that it is attainable. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host as always, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here. Beautiful morning. And I'm with Jesse Dickens. So what better can it be? All right. We're excited to have you on the show, Jesse. How are you doing? Yona, it's great to see you this morning. And uh, I'm excited to be here. It's great to be every morning. You know, it's great to be alive. That's really what it, you know, so grateful for that. I was just telling my wife last night, you know, I didn't really have an appetite. She brought me something to eat. And I was like, you know, just grateful that I can eat. <laughs> I mean, simple things like that we take for granted. You know, thank God we're able. Yeah, I'm grateful that we have Zoom this morning. We tried to do this about a month ago and Zoom decided to not cooperate. And it had shut down, I believe, worldwide. And it was, you know, it shook us up. So I'm excited that we can finally get it going. That's right. Now, that was pretty crazy. I think that was the first time in you know my usage of Zoom on a daily basis for the past several years that there was a shutdown. It was, you know, the servers were down worldwide. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Happens to the best platforms out there. Jess, I'd love to get a little of your background. Obviously, you are a real estate investor, which is one of the reasons we have you on the show here, because we love to talk to different types of real estate investors, where they came from, what they're doing, what their vision is. I see the, the musical instruments in the background. I presume you have some sort of uh, musical talents or you just like the decoration, one or the other. At this point, it, it feels like it's more for the decoration, but I do have a, a history of, of music in my life. And I actually went to school and have a four-year bachelor's degree in music business. Oh, wow. And wanted to be a, wanted to be a rock star and travel the world and be a performer and uh, did a little bit of that. But I finished up with my four-year music degree and said, well, that was fun. But now what the heck do I do with a music degree? And I had met the woman who is now my wife, realized I probably needed to get a real job at some point. <laughs> I ended up going back and getting a degree in cardiac sonography, so performing ultrasounds of the heart, and have been doing that wow. for about the past seven years, and then got bit by the real estate bug about three, four years ago, and have been transitioning into kind of a hybrid between medical and real estate. That's awesome. So you're still working full-time mm -hmm. pretty much as a cardiac sonographer, right? Is yes. that correct? That's the correct terminology? It is. Yeah. So I still work full time. I really love what I do. There's not this huge drive to just say, Hey, I hate my job. I want to get out as soon as I can. But just realizing that I want to be able to do my specific skill set for the clients that I want to work for, for the docs I want to work for, and do mm -hmm. it completely on my own time and kind of buy back my time. You know, I know it's a a new theory, but it, it really relates to me. And that's kind of what speaks to me. So that's been the, the goal the past couple of years and slowly being able to, to achieve that. That's awesome. And it is, you know, I, I imagine that 
the current job pays the bills and that's important, right? And I think for a lot of people, especially those who are in the medical profession, oftentimes feel their being, and we've had a number of people like that on this show. And I've you know spoken to many who are my clients as well and other friends who are in the medical profession transitioning into full-time real estate because there's just more, like you said, the time freedom. Oftentimes being in the medical profession, you're just overwhelmed with you know a large, you know, you're on call or you have you know, patients you're seeing on a constant basis, and you're not able to make the time to focus on the real estate. One thing that I have seen as, and I'm not sure if this is something that you're doing or have considered, but one thing I've seen with some of those medical professionals is that when you're able to contract yourself out and create your own schedule, in which case you can do both basically have enough time spent doing that, that you can pay the bills and simultaneously have enough time spending. You can be taking calls from investors and looking at deals and kind of have that balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the pandemic really kind of expedited the shift that was already taking place with that, with physicians and healthcare professionals realizing that their time is more valuable than the paycheck that they're bringing Mm -hmm. in and working for these large, working for corporate healthcare. It just, for me at least, the ugly side of that got exposed through COVID. And that really, and I actually feel pretty blessed that that happened because that really pushed me to go out and kind of start to do my own thing. And and I ended up leaving corporate healthcare and joining a small mobile imaging company that allowed for that flexibility to do that and really aid with this journey that I'm on. So a couple of my partners and a couple of the deals that I'm in are also in the medical profession. And we have kind of done a little bit of a spinoff and we are creating a platform to help educate healthcare professionals on commercial real estate and allow them to, to get educated on it and provide them with opportunities to show them that there is a different path. So we're really excited about that. That's amazing. And even if it means, you know, for a lot of people getting started, it just investing passively, right? Getting a taste for, you know, some of the tax benefits and some of the returns that you can put some of your money to work for you, especially in this inflationary environment that we're in. That's a great path for a lot of people, but education is key. Yep. People don't even know something's out there. Just put the money in the 401k and you know, hope for the yep. best. Absolutely. And I think the passive route is usually a great place for people to get started. That's kind of where I got started. And I needed something, A, to create a little bit of momentum, but B, to be able to just understand the basic terminology of the stuff that we're doing. So that allowed me a space to where my actions didn't dictate if the deal was going to perform or not. I just got to join up with someone that I trusted right. that had been in the space. So I think that's a great opportunity for people to get into. 100%. And especially if you are invested in a syndication, for example, and oftentimes the syndicators will send out monthly or weekly you know, emails. And a lot of them, there's educational content you know, along with updates on the property or updates on the deal itself or potential new deals coming to the surface. And so you're able to learn along the way just by putting an investment. I mean, it may, you know, I don't want to say it costs you, but maybe put down $50,000, which a lot of times is the minimum in these type of syndications, but it's not a, it's not costing you. It's an investment and you're getting returns on that, but simultaneously you're getting an education. So I think it's a great path to take. I know uh, a lot of people that have taken that path, but there are other options out there as well. So once you are able to give education or provide people with a platform to, to just learn more and ask questions, I think is an important thing. There are countless people out there 
what I've seen from some other people, I'm just wondering in your market or where you're in, in the location, the circles you hang out, are there healthcare professionals that are, you know, what do we call the great resignation? A lot of people just kind of leaving and finding, you know, new avenues, trying to find something else to do. Yeah, I'm starting to see it not fully across the board, but I think that the seed has been planted. And yeah, in my circle specifically, I know that there are some docs that are trying to get out of being what I like to call a slave to the time clock and being forced to do things for a large employer. Mm -hmm. And whatever that looks like, whether that is starting their own private practice or just reducing part-time or going to contract work or just supplementing with some other type of income, whether it be real estate or anything else. So I'm definitely starting to see a shift in the space. 100%. Yeah. It's interesting to watch. Interesting to see people trying to find ways to buy back their time. And and simultaneously, you know, maybe they need a new career and real estate happens to be a great option for a lot of people, whatever space you want to get into, whether it's the short-term rental space, which I see a ton of people getting into, or, you know, multifamily or other types of commercial projects. You're in the multifamily space primarily, correct? meaning you guys have bought a few you know, small multifamily properties. And I did want to ask you on that before we get to the question that I was going to ask in my head. But before I get to that, you're in uh, physically located in Denver, correct? In Denver area, Metro? Yes. I live in Denver. Our investments so far have been in Tucson, Arizona. We're also expanding into another market. We're actually expanding into Greenville, oh, wow. South Carolina. So we're excited about that. So that really is my question. How are you able to, or maybe not how you're able to, but what are the processes that allow you to be able to invest in those markets that are you know, outside of your local market? Sure. It's all about finding the right team. So I linked up with a couple other investors that were very specifically targeting Tucson, Arizona when I first got into the space. And one of those members lives in Phoenix. So we had some true boots on the ground, which we would not be able to or would not feel comfortable operating in that market without that individual on the team, such a key member of the team, because our team is Denver, Colorado, Seattle, Washington, Minneapolis, and the Bay Area and Phoenix. So we are spread out all over the country. And we love, we specifically love that market. And we have decided to partner up with an individual that lives there and, and can be at the property basically at the drop of a dime. So it's we wouldn't be able to do that without that team member. And in our ventures that we're getting into in Greenville, same thing, teaming up with two individuals that live in Greenville, that live five minutes from this property that we're under contract on and know the market like the back gotcha. of the hand. So that out-of-state investing is... Denver's a great market and I would love to break into this market. It's been much higher barrier to entry. And because of that, been able to find success in mm-hmm. other areas, but without having the team in place, it's just not, it's not viable. Absolutely. I think it's important for a lot of people to hear because, you know, we talk about multifamily and real estate investing as a team sport, but one of the key team members really has to be someone who is local and who does know the market, you know, inside and out and is your boots on the ground. Uh, you can you know head over to the property. Something happens, you got to get someone there. You know, what happens if, you know, God forbid the property manager who's, you know, on location just doesn't show up or, you know, or they're overwhelmed or they get sick or who knows what. You have to have someone that's kind of the backup or make sure that they're on the ground also. So it's important to have that. I don't know if it would be possible. I'm sure there are people that do it, but I don't know if it would be possible or as possible if you didn't have someone like that on the ground. 
Yeah, I think there's people that give it a shot and may have varying levels of success. It's just not something that we are personally comfortable with, with doing right. without that, you know, I have eyes on the property because your, your property manager is one of your most important team members. It's not part of your actual GP structure. They can be, but for us, they're not, mm-hmm. but they will never care for your property the way that you do, you know? Right. And we've gone through a couple of property managers and it is kind of a, a thankless job and it's just tough because they'll give you the best presentation of how they're going to care for your property. And then when you really get into it and stuff starts to hit the fan, it's just different. You know, the way that we care for our property and residents, we feel like is, is on a different level. So we have to have someone that's willing to be down there right. when we need them. Absolutely. And it may have to do with the size of the properties as well. I mean, once you get into much larger, you know, 100 unit plus properties, you know, you may be able to have someone on site full-time and that may or may not change their uh, you know, amount of involvement or commitment. <laughs> I'm not sure. You may still deal with the same kind of complacency that some people have because it's a job and they're not you know, paid the big bucks to be property managers. And if they don't have a stake in the GP, then they're not going to care for it as much as you would. Yeah. I think you also get on-site property management and you have a full-time leasing staff, full-time maintenance, I think you just get a higher caliber of companies that you're dealing mm-hmm. with. You know, when you're dealing with third party, it's, I feel like, and especially in C-class, I feel like it's only going to get so good. And then they're going to want to graduate and say, hey, we want to play with bigger assets, you know? So it's a challenge. And I know that everyone mm-hmm. faces that challenge, but it actually makes you a better operator when you have to kind of manage the manager, you know, and, and see exactly what they do and, and take a peek under the hood and, you know, have access to their software platforms and see the leads that are coming in and run your own KPIs and all that. So I feel like it's really strengthened our sword on the asset management side, but it's been a pain to be honest. 100%. It is hard. I totally relate with that. Are you looking into any other types of assets or asset classes out there? Are you kind of strictly focused on the multifamily at this point? You know, I I definitely suffer from shiny object syndrome and have gotten (laughs) excited about mobile homes and storage units. But for me, I'm sticking with the bread and butter of multifamily. On a, on a personal note, we are looking, my family and I are looking to get into some short-term rentals. That would be a totally separate mm-hmm. thing and just find a location that we would love to use as a vacation spot and be able to have a short-term rental there. But as far as our business goes, it, we're sticking with multifamily 100%. And just, it's obviously been through through these past couple of years, it's unbelievable. And we believe in the resiliency of it, you know, with being that we're in a, a very challenging and there's a lot of unknowns in the economic spectrum right now. We just believe that this is probably the safest place for us to park our capital and our investors' capital. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, do what you know best, right? And you guys seem to have figured it out, figured out a space that you're working in successfully and you're just looking for deals. That's really the challenge right now is finding good deals. Yeah, well, things are shifting. I mean, there's less buyers in the market right now, which we love. We really love that it's things have changed and the interest rate shock is definitely, it's just shifted the market a little bit. And we're still, I feel like mm. it's not really that complicated on our end as far as when we're underwriting deals, when we're looking at pro formas, okay, our interest rate changes. So we change that in the spreadsheet. You know, we maybe are a little bit more conservative on our exit cap rate. As far as how many basis points a year, we're looking to increase that for Mm -hmm. each year that we hold it, but it doesn't really change much. I mean, as far as the demand for these units themselves and the issues with supply chain, with new construction and being in specifically growth markets, 
the demand for these units is not going to change. We're always conservative with our rent growth. So that doesn't really change. Right. And it's, you know, I love that then a shift and there's less buyers in the space. So we're actually back to normal real estate principles of, hey, it's not 150,000 hard earnest money day one, and you can't really do any kind of due diligence. It's actually getting back to normal, you know, just the basics, the fundamentals of real estate and can get into actual negotiations with sellers and brokers. So it's been great. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how things unfold moving forward. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's what I've seen a lot as well. Obviously, people are finding deals, finding things to make work, but it seems like it's become easier to handle because the numbers are still numbers. Spreadsheets are still spreadsheets. And you're going to find a deal. If it makes sense, it makes sense. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And you may find less that makes sense just because of you know the numbers and the compression. But at the same time, you have something to work with. You have sellers who are willing to actually talk instead of you know, I have uh, 20 buyers, you know, offering cash for the first day it's on the market and they're just, you know, as happy as can be. I think now people are a little more uh, cautious and are able to take their time and really have, make the numbers make sense for everyone. Yep. Did you totally start out with, I mean, you, you mentioned you started out with, actually, I don't know if you mentioned you started out with some fix and flips. I think you did say that. And then you went into the multifamily space. Did you have any sort of mentoring along the way or any type of mastermind or groups? I think that's a pretty common theme among you know, real estate investors that able to scale quickly. Was that your experience as well? I did. And I still do. And I think that will be a part of my makeup for a long time. And I think coaching is so invaluable. I mean, you can put a price tag on it, but I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for that. So I'm a part of the Jake and Gino community. That's what got me started in the multifamily. And then I joined the MIH mastermind about a year after that. And that has been the networking component of it is. Mm -hmm. So I think that for me, I came into this with basically zero real estate background. So I needed all of the educational piece. Mm -hmm. There definitely was value to that, but the community aspect of it is where the true value lies because I met my partners there. Mm. You know, the, I'm sure I have future partners that I don't even, that I know from within that circle that I don't know are going, going to be future partners. And it's just, it's been unbelievable to have that kind of a backdrop to not only be looking at deals together and, and picking up on what they're doing, but just having that, to be honest, it's been scary jumping into a completely new venture and to be able to share some of those fears and the trials and tribulations that you're going through with members that are in the same boat and then have coaches to kind of walk you yeah. through that. People that have you know blazed the path before you has been, it's just for me, it is a huge part of, of it. And I, I plan on having that for many years to come. And we had uh, Gino on the show not too long ago, a couple months ago. So if anyone wants to check out that episode, really awesome episode. Gino Barbero is just an inspiration and talks about the community he built and, you know, totally inspired by him. And I've seen the MIH community with Gino's brother, right? Marco and those guys. I totally agree with you. You know, we talk about all the time, I actually made some socks that say your network is your net worth. You know, it's really about, you know, who you're connected with more than anything else. It's about how, you know, deals are coming together through those partnerships. Then, you know, even the amount of knowledge that you have, because any one individual person can only know or can only do a limited number of things. There's only so much we can handle on our own. But when you partner with other people, you know, maybe cliche, but you know, you you get faster when you have a team, when you have more people working on something together. I'm amazed 
by the community, especially within the multifamily space, you have these masterminds, you have these groups out there that are really just supporting one another. I'm blown away by it because I see it, you know, I'm part of some groups as well, but I see so many other groups out there that are really just coming together and helping each other. And I'm inspired by that, the camaraderie and the, you know, the encouragement that you have, the accountability, right? Yeah. I saw you at MM4 last year. I mean, there was almost a thousand people there and I was trying to get over and, and say what's up to you, but <laughs> you know, you get pulled into another conversation and it, it just didn't work out. But I know that, that, you know, that community and it's a special family and, you know, they've created this huge extended family. So I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. It's funny when you mentioned that, you know, I like walk in to a room and, you know, I'll like take a couple steps and someone will approach me and then, you know, someone else will come over and then someone else. And like, I may not even make it like 20 feet into like a room into the hall or the you know thing. And like, until, you know, I've spoken, you know, a couple hours later, I'm like still there. And uh, it's just one conversation to the next. It's hard to, especially when you got these huge, huge events and MM4 was great. MM5, the multifamily mastery in Orlando guys, check it out. I actually have a link in my bio to that. So you can guys can check that out to get a ticket. Early bird tickets are still going on. Orlando, Jake and Gino in November. Really excited to be there and to see you there. It's an amazing community and it's amazing what you can accomplish when you have these relationships and you have a team working together. You can never underestimate that. But I do want to, I want to take a minute to just ask you one last question here, which is anyone who's listening here, besides for the incredible things that we've talked about up until this point, which I mean, are really invaluable. There's so many different aspects, your journey and about real estate and about masterminds and everything like that. But to someone who's listening to this, who may be, you know, medical professional, or maybe they may be a full-time, you know, professional and doing something else. And they're thinking about getting involved in real estate, or they really want to, or maybe they've started and just don't know how to take the next step. What would your advice be to them, Jesse? Absolutely. I think I struggled with the whole analysis paralysis thing for a couple of years before I actually jumped in. And for me, what happened was my son was born Mm. and it just, that was the huge shift for me where I said, this is no longer a theory. I have to put this into action but I know what it's like to have that, to read every book about it, to listen to every podcast, but just not take any action on it. So I think the, probably the best thing to do is to just start to reach out to people that have gone down that path before you and just talk to them. I mean, it's such a simple baby step, but for me to be able to see that people had been in my shoes and had just taken that leap of faith, whatever that was, whatever type of real estate you want to get into, I think to be able to talk to someone that has actually done it before is it just gave me the, a little bit of peace of mind that it is attainable. It may not be easy, but it is attainable. So, you know, there's so many people out there in all these types of communities that are so willing to lend out a hand. And I thought getting into real estate, that it was going to be a lot more cutthroat and there's going to be a lot more backstabbing and not sharing of information. And now after coming into this community, Mm -hmm. I found that it's been the complete opposite the people that have found success are the people that have really said, Hey, I'm here to help. What can I do to help? And and I've tried to kind of model my approach after that. That's awesome. I love that. I totally align with that as well. I mean, the analysis process is something I I deal with constantly, but being in touch and, and following others and talking to people who have done it, it's really helped me personally to accelerate my journey as well in the investing space. But you know, more important than anything is that that last thing that you said there, which is 
going out of your way to help other people and have that as your paradigm is how can I do for others? Like Zig Ziglar, we quote many times says that, you know, you can get anything you want as long as you help others get what they need or something along the paraphrasing. I got to get that quote right one day. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. That's a good quote. Yeah. If you can, you know, if you can help other people, whatever, you know what I'm talking about, that thing, yeah. you know, anyways, Jesse, <laughs> I want to transition now what we call the final four. First question to you is what's the worst job that you ever had? So I worked at a sushi restaurant when I first moved to Denver, probably about 15 years ago. And I never ate sushi before that. I'm now kind of a sushi connoisseur. So I'm actually grateful that I did have the job, but I was bussing tables at this sushi restaurant and it was brutal. It was very fast paced. And the worst part about it was just coming home after that and just the smell of it. Right. Working around raw fish for, you know, six, eight hours at a time. And it was brutal. I learned a lot from that experience, but it's a place I never want to go again. Yeah, I hear that. That's definitely something you want to stay far away from once you've been involved a little bit. Okay, well, we'll take that. That's a good worst job experience. <laughs> what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? So a book that I've read that has given me a paradigm shift and kind of ties into one of your last questions is The Go-Giver mm. by Bob Burr. Have you read that book? I have not, but only because every time it's been suggested to me, I think I do it anyway. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that's probably a good point. And a lot of the stuff you do, especially this podcast is a, a lot along that mindset, but it kind of talks about difference between a go-getter and a go-giver. And there's so many go-getters out there, people with great work ethic, people that are just on mm -hmm. the grind, people that have a mission, a place they want to get to, and they're willing to put in the work to do that. But the shift, when you talk about that paradigm shift to being a go-giver to saying, Hey, what can I do for you? For you to have that be at the forefront, it really changes everything. Mm -hmm. And the way that the book is laid out and just the kind of, it's told as a kind of a fictional story, but it's just, it's a very easy read and it it created a huge shift for me. So I would mm -hmm. totally recommend for, for anyone to, to check that book out. All right. Well, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Go-Giver by Bob Berg. It's a top hit among uh, many of my friends and colleagues. So check it out if you haven't listened to it or check read it or listen to that audiobook yet. Third question, Jesse, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I'd like to get into mixed martial arts at some point. I'm not sure what type of martial arts that would be, but and I don't even know where that attraction comes from, but I would love to get into that. And I think just physical activity has always helped me as far as mental clarity goes and almost even on a, an emotional clarity sense mm. of just being able to have that release and kind of be centered for the rest of your, you know, the rest of the things that you do throughout your life. And I've just kind of always had a, a draw towards doing some type of martial arts. So at some point down the road, I'm going to, you know, walk into a gym and, and uh, try to figure it out. Oh, there you go. I mean, listen, sooner the better because, you know, self-defense is something we all need to learn or brush up on. Martial arts are incredible. There's so many different ways, so many different forms. So, I mean, you talk about the mixed martial arts that, that to me is, it's a little eclectic. It's a little bit out there, right? It's just like, you know, no holds barred, right? Like everything and everything like throw in there less about technique to me. That's what it seems like at least, but there's a lot of discipline that comes along with martial arts as well. So I think that's a big piece of it is the discipline aspect of it. I mean, I'm not trying to step in the ring with Conor <laughs> McGregor or anything, but I think the discipline piece is a, is a huge part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's move to the final question, which is what does success mean to you? So success, I think it comes down to, 
I think most people have kind of like a number, kind of an arbitrary number that makes sense for them. And to be honest, I have that for myself, but it's not so much about that. It's more about just idea of contentment and being able to be happy in the present moment and enjoying the journey and, and not just saying, hey, this is the destination. This is where what I want to get to. This is financial freedom or this is time independence. Yes, those are all important things and a big part of my why and be able to create more time with my family. But if I'm not enjoying this process and not just not being present in the moment, I think that you just I don't want to get to a point later on in life where I turn back around and say, man, I, I feel it, it was all just kind of a blur. You know, I, I found some success. I did some good things. I, I started my business, but I don't even really, I wasn't really there, you know, and I definitely don't want to do that with my family. So I think mm. contentment is the most important aspect of that because I see people that really have that, that say, hey, my business isn't where I want it to be, completely honest, but I'm happy in this moment. And that's really a thing that I'm striving for myself. Awesome. Well, that's a definitely a great driver of success, having the right mindset and having the right perspective on life. So wish you much continued success in that regard. And Jesse, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah. So the best place would be just at my email address, jesse at wealthcarecap.com. You can also check out our, our website, wealthcarecap.com. So either of those spots would be perfect. Okay. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes so anyone can go and find you and check you out. And I really appreciate you taking the time here today. It looks like you got your scrubs on. So you're, you're like ready to go yeah. uh, unless that's just for the branding. I don't know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work right from here. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day and thank you again for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yona, really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you. And to our listeners, guys, thank you for tuning in once again, all the way to the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.